Welcome into Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 23. I am your host, Carter E, sports director here with the Nevada News Group, Nevada Appeal, and Record Courier. Joining me, as always, on the other side of this desk is my producer, Jeff Bolvahill Jr. of www.instaimage.com. We got a lot to talk about today, but before we get into all that, quick shout out to our title sponsor, that is Double J Auto in Gardnerville. You can get them online at www.doublejautonv.com. Jeff, we finally got a good look at Carson softball this past week. That's where we are going to start things before we move on to a little Carson baseball update in a couple of different scenarios there, um, both high school and an alum that is doing something out in the field. Before we turn it over to uh, Douglas Baseball, you got any guesses on uh, what we're going to talk about with Douglas Baseball? They're winning. They're winning. They are winning. And then uh, a look at Douglas Softball's upcoming week. They've had last week off, but they, of course, sit in second place right now in the Class 5A North at 8-1 and one in league play with three league games this week. Uh, one on Thursday, one on two on Saturday. So we'll get to that. Also have a quick update on track and field as well as Carson swimming and diving. But I tell you what, if you want to get a look at the paper this week, you'll probably see a lot more, especially in terms of photos when it comes to the Carson swimming team. I was out at their meet on Saturday. Boy, it is humid inside those pools. That's beside the point, though. Carson Softball sitting at 9-9 nine and nine right now on the season. They are 5-4 and four in league play, which puts them in fifth but tied for fourth with Reed. Obviously, we'll get to in just a second, but Carson and Reed have a doubleheader on Tuesday, which is, I imagine, when most of you guys will be listening to this anyways. So those standings could definitely shuffle. And then Carson closes the week with McQueen, who's in third at 7-4. and four. So if Carson goes 3-0 and oh this week, they very well could catapult themselves from the 5 seed to the 3 seed in the Northern Class 5A standings. Obviously, that is an if statement. However, looking at this past week, Carson got a good look at the top of the leaderboard with two games against Spanish Springs and a doubleheader on Saturday. Carson also had a 14-4 win in five innings against Damani Ranch. And uh, Jeff, it was it was cold. <laughs> That's an understatement. That was that was our stereotypical spring sport weather. It was awful. And I can't really complain that much because I hid in the press box. The little I hid in the dugout. The little press box that was. Uh, I mean, I'm not complaining that it was over, overly crowded. I get it. But, like, yeah, it was overly crowded press box. Uh, usually about four people can fit up there. I think we were rotating between seven to eight at any given point because it was cold, windy. There was some rain in there. I think we had some uh, snowflakes coming down at some point. It was a very, as you said, typical northern Nevada spring day where you just kind of go, wait, it was warm last week. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's freezing. We were in shorts last week. And that game was 4-4 heading into the fourth or fifth inning there before the Senators broke it open to win 14-4 in six innings of play. Katie Farnworth had a three-run homer. It was her third of the season. She was part of that break open fifth inning in which the Senators scored seven runs. In the circle, Farnworth had 12 strikeouts, allowed seven hits and four earned runs in six innings of work there. Freshman Sophia Morrison hit her first varsity home run in the second inning, one that she belted out to left field. Farnworth turned on a uh, middle-middle pitch and hit it off the lone tree 
in the Carson outfield. I'm pretty sure that ball was still going up when it hit the tree. That, yeah, it was. That, that was hit a long way and uh, had, had some help with the wind at, at their back, but still that ball was that ball was hit a long way. Pretty much knew it right off the bat. They got a lot of run support in that one. Saturday against Spanish Springs, the Senators got to see Haley McLean twice for the Cougars returning Gatorade uh, Player of the Year, the pitcher for Spanish Springs. And uh, she looked good. They held him to one hit in the first game on 14 strikeouts for McLean. She responded by giving up two runs in game two, one of which was a solo homer in the seventh inning to Casey Johnston. That was Johnston's seventh home run of the season. She is swinging the bat pretty well. Scott Vickery, the senator head coach, called her swing picturesque, and he's right. She gets that bat through the zone quickly, and she's able to turn on pitches and has proved you make any mistakes around uh, the middle of the plate, and Casey's likely going to put one off the wall or over it. Far North in those two games uh, gave up five earned and five Ks in the first one. She was tagged for 11 earned and three Ks in game two. It was a little warmer on Saturday, but nothing... uh, I mean, it wasn't Thursday is really the best way to put it. It wasn't raining, and the wind wasn't blowing directly out. But still a good good look for for a good litmus test, I would say, for the Senators. Obviously, Spanish Springs is sitting at like 20-3 and three now this year, and they are 10-0 and 0 in league play. So that would have been an upset to steal one from the Cougars. They will likely get another look at them at some point in the, the postseason, depending on how things shake out. But like I said, that... Tuesday doubleheader against Reed's going to be a big one. Reed, obviously, without starting pitcher at Dan, Danielle Leone, who I believe had uh, an ACL injury in her knee just from throwing earlier in the season. So Reed, not with their without their number one pitcher, excuse me. But a big one there with both Reed and Carson sitting at five and four in league play. That is Tuesday in Carson, for those of you who are curious. I believe that is a 2 p.m. first pitch. So got to be an early listener to podcasts. I know that one's that one's coming ahead of time. But like I said, with Thursday matchup against McQueen, the Senators' landscape could uh, will have shaken out a lot, I guess, by the end of this week. They should have a good, good idea of where they sit going into the, the home stretch of the season if we're not there already. Switching over to Carson baseball, they got no hit by Damani Ranch this past Tuesday, uh, that was, excuse me, this past Thursday, that was a 10-0 finish. They played Damani again this Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, busy day in Carson uh, the, tomorrow where there will be a track meet, a doubleheader softball game, and a baseball game. So you know where to find me tomorrow. That being Tuesday, we are recording this Monday morning. Senator baseball no hit by Damani Ranch last Thursday, like I said, and then fell 6-2 to Galena on Saturday. Trey Thomas hit his fourth home run of the season. It was a solo shot against the Grizzlies. Carson baseball sitting in eighth out of the nine teams in the north. They are 1-11 in league play. Reed is behind them at 0-12. Galena sits right in front of the Senators in the seventh spot. They are 5-7 in league play there. So Carson sitting sitting in that eighth spot pretty nicely secured there. Like I said, they get Damani Ranch again this Tuesday. I believe that is a 7 p.m. first pitch, if I'm not mistaken there. Uh, another Carson High alum back in the news, Clint Vondrak got was the home plate umpire for I believe his third official major league baseball game last week. He was the home plate umpire for the Mets giants game. Uh, there is a Twitter account that does umpire scorecards. 
you can take that however you want to with a grain of salt. He did pretty well though compared to uh, some of the scorecards you've seen this year. It was it was pretty well called. I think they said like ninety six percent, ninety seven percent accuracy. So you'll take that in the age of humans potentially getting replaced by robots. So ninety seven percent from the human eye is is much better. You look through some of those scorecards, you'll see some you know eighty twos. Yeah, that, that kind of a number I never would have imagined you'd say it was that high. Yeah, you know that said. I think if this still final tally said plus 0.2 runs towards the Giants, right? So based off his calls, it it slightly favored the Giants. But, uh, you know, that's that's all based off video and, and stuff like that. It's I've seen worse. I've seen where umps, you know, are given two run, two plus runs to, to a team. So two-tenths, I would honestly say that's pretty mar- marginable given the uh, landscape and what they are asked to do as professional umpires because... Yeah, the invention of replay, I think, has really just spoiled our hour as a collective fan watching experience where we expect people to be perfect on things that are 98 miles an hour and faster, which is absurd. Guys, there's limits to the human eye. And we know this, but I guess every pitcher is different. Sometimes we the way the ball comes in, the way that um, it's just catchers have so much training now and framing and how to how to, you know, get that inch of movement to where it tricks the umpire into thinking you got yeah it's it's a lot and uh we really are way too hard on on umpires even when they do make mistakes i i understand sometimes you got to get your point across when angel hernandez is blowing calls left and right but yeah if we we're too hard on umpires uh, there's probably i probably have a column coming on that especially at the high school level uh, i don't have any specific examples to talk about off the top of my head i just you can go. You can go. Just watch a game, and you can see them. Yeah, yeah. And we're losing them left and right. And <laughs> we had all this talk two years ago during the pandemic about how in sport, how important sports are for kids. But if there's no umpires. It's gonna be gonna be hard to hard to play sports unless we all take the high school tennis approach, which is the honor system. And I can tell you how well that went from my <laughs> high school tennis experience. So just think about trying to referee soccer. And and the honor system for offsides. Good luck. Offsides is a little, it could possibly be a little bit easier because once you kind of get an idea of where that last defender yeah, but, is, you can get a reference. But a high school kids in the honor system on offside, I see that. You, about you'd have to call. But I'm call. just thinking the stuff is you know that, is that ball in or out? Yeah, that's a little different. And but soccer's bang bang over the top passes. Yeah. The defender's going to say he's offsides. The attacker's going to say he's onside. Every time. Every time. Every time. There's a reason why uh, let's, they play let's in college tennis. But I uh, don't need to tangent off into to that anymore. Let's just say kids cheat, which is sportsmanship versus honor. Well, you know? you're, you're, you're taught from the time you first start touching the ball. Play until the whistle goes. Yep, yep. So, anyways, there, uh, switching over to Douglas Baseball, which, as Jeff alluded to, just keeps on winning. They're now 21-4 and four this season, which is just remarkable after going 3-16 and 16 this past year. If you got a copy of last Wednesday's Record Courier, there's a nice full-page article on the breakdown of at least Douglas's approach at the plate and how much improved they are there. However, we're not talking about that this week on the podcast. We're going straight pitching for the most part. There are some very notable uh, hit performances. Douglas won its tournament out in California. They won all four games. 
beat Livingston 14 to seven, and then turned around with three consecutive shutouts to end the tournament against Denaire at water. And oh boy, uh, golden Valley. There we go. I got all three there against Denaire and a 13, nothing win. Noah Kobarger had six K's and two hits to allow Douglas to win pretty big. Gabe Foster was a single shy of the cycle, meaning he hit a double, triple, and home run. He had six RBI in that one. In a 9-0 win against Golden Valley, Gabe Natividad was 4-for-4 four four with four RBIs and two doubles. Carter Bleeker added two doubles as well. Gabe Foster hit his third home run of the season. And sophomore Keegan Snooks looked phenomenal again. He's now gone 18 innings without allowing a run. He went six innings of work against Golden Valley, five Ks, and only three hits allowed. So Keegan Snooks goes from a combined no-hitter in one game to a complete game shutout in his next game to another six-inning performance in which he does not allow a run. His ERA is now down to 2.2. As I said, has not allowed a run in his last 18 innings of work in an 11-0 win against Atwater. James Hubbard, who else? No-hitter. Six Ks, only two walks. Douglas committed an error as well. So near perfection from James Hubbard outside of the, the pair of walks and a defensive miscue, but an 11-0 win nonetheless. And as I said, Douglas now 21-4 and overall on the year. They are second in the Class 5A North at 11-2. Softball team also in second at 8-1. We'll get to them in just a second. We look ahead for Douglas this week. They go at McQueen and at Minogue, which are two big games for the Tigers on the baseball side of things. Minogue sits in third, so they are right behind Douglas with an 8-4 and four record in league play. McQueen is 7-6, and six, and Jeff, as we know all year, it's kind of who you see on the mound from McQueen, so we will wait to see how that one shakes out there, but... They want Robbie. If Oh, I'm no, no doubts about that. Yeah. Just, if, I mean, uh, you... It's so impressive that they're doing so well. I mean, they just seem dialed in. Yeah. That's that that you don't see that very often in high school sports. Well, and you don't see teams go from three and sixteen to twenty one and four in one year without yeah, that, some serious serious commitment to uh to the the program and the you know, just the want to win, the willingness to win. Um to get dialed in in a year. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, though both those games are on the road, so they will be at McQueen and at Minogue. Two wins there would really separate Douglas into second place um, going into the final stretch of the season, as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Douglas softball had the week off. They are still 18-5-1, so I do not mean to take away anything from Douglas softball when we talk about how impressive Douglas baseball looked. I just think when you compare, I guess, expectations from the beginning of the season to now, I think we expected Douglas softball to be be this good. And uh I don't mean that as any slight to Douglas baseball, as I said a second ago. But, yeah, Douglas softball continuing to hit dingers. Obviously, they didn't do any of that this past week without any games. They go to Minogue on Thursday. Minogue has yet to win a league game. And then they have a doubleheader against Galena on Saturday. Galena has also yet to win a league game. So potential 3-0 and week for Douglas, which would put them at 11-1 and in league play. Then if Carson can beat McQueen in any of those sort of scenarios, that would pretty much if Douglas already has a three loss edge over over number three McQueen at eight and one and McQueen is seven and four. So Douglas is kind of, Douglas and Spanish Springs are kind of separating themselves as the one two, but we'll see how that three, four, five, six shakes out with Reno 
uh, holding up the sixth spot on the softball side at five and five this season. Carson and Douglas track and field are in town Tuesday. As I said a few minutes ago, it is per the schedule. I believe it's the McQueen meet, but it looks like the location has been changed. They will both be at Carson City, both being Douglas and Carson track and field at 3 p.m. Obviously, softball's got a doubleheader starting at 2, and then that baseball game starts at 7. So, honestly, you could probably find Jeff and I, Jeff and me, around me and Jeff around all the time. Uh, this is why this is a vocal podcast. I don't have to write because I'll eventually would have figured that one out. But since we're on a time crunch, I'm throwing it out the window. Uh, as I said at the beginning, I was at Carson's swim meet this past Friday. I know there were a couple teams there between Damani Ranch, North Valleys. I believe there were definitely at least another team or two. Uh, in attendance for that one but so i have we'll have some photos coming out this week in the paper if uh, any of you swimmers happen to be catching this podcast this late into the episode but otherwise i think that's going to do it for jeff and i here unless there's any big breaking news jeff wants to add on the the end of things here but um that's going to do it for episode 23 thanks for listening we appreciate you guys and thanks again to our title sponsor in double j auto in gardnerville that's double j auto nv.com actually before we go i will say i've gotten quite a few compliments on the podcast to this point i really appreciate it and uh, hopefully we can keep delivering this weekly and keep being a quality product you guys continue to listen to and with that being said thanks a bunch to jeff on the other side of things for putting this together check him out at instaimage.com you can find me on twitter at carter eckle e-c-k-l as well as NevadaAppeal.com and RecordCourier.com. But that's going to do it for episode 23. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks.